I'm Ellen Sentier, the Heartful Badass Coach. Being badass is about being the real you, being strong, feisty, confident, knowing your own truth and walking it, feeling the fear and doing it anyway, with a heart full of joy and boundaries that really work. I learned how to be the real me through telling and writing stories, and now I'm a best-selling author as well as a badass psychotherapist and coach. I tell stories a lot in podcasts and blogs and in the coaching programs I do. Being authentic, living your own story, that's being the real badass you. And being real badass is being full of heart, caring. Because we've lived through all that shit, haven't we? So we know it in our bones and we really do truly feel compassion. So come on. Let's do some badassery. Let's change ourselves and watch the whole world change around us. Let's make our lives, our businesses and our hearts sing. Well, hello everybody. And this week I've got somebody I've got to know quite well. Over the past year, well, nearly a year now. That probably isn't nearly a year, but it feels like a year. And that's Susie Orr. And Susie Orr started a group, a networking group called Unique Ladies. And ladies, for me, this is the nicest networking group I have ever been involved in. I've never met so many lovely, supportive women on it. So, Susie, how on earth did you get going with Unique Ladies? And why Unique Ladies? I mean, I know we're unique, but why? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? So um, the name Unique came because at the time someone was trying to sell me some mascara from another <laughs> company that was called Unique, but it was Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E or whatever. Um, so I was I was being tempted to buy mascara, but thinking about a networking group I was going to start. And then I thought, oh, Unique Ladies, that could be a good name. for We're all unique, aren't we? So, we are, absolutely. That's where the name came from. Um, I did 30-odd years in IT and telecom. So when I, if I go right back to sort of when I left school, I wanted to leave home. Uh, and I decided that if I got a job as a hotel manager, I could leave home. I then sussed out the courses and realised that I didn't want to do French and food service and cooking. So I opted to be a hotel receptionist where I could just do a little bit of French and food service, but it was more about um, the admin and the bookkeeping. Yeah, yeah. So I'm bookkeeper again, I expect. Well, it, that that was interesting because I I never thought that I was a very confident person. I certainly wasn't when I was growing up. I was quite shy. But being a being taught at the age of seventeen how to meet and greet businessmen coming into hotels and how to just give them a warm welcome right. it certainly stood me in good stead for what I do with Unique Ladies. And I apologise for this but we have an extra guest today. I know Susie has a black cat too so I didn't feel I could exclude her so don't worry about it if we just get tail bombed every now and again. <laughs> Susie I'm sorry Kellen interrupted you. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. That's what they do, isn't it? Just so, I, so yeah, I I, um, I started off as a hotel receptionist and became confident in speaking to people in business. I guess at a young age, um, I then became a PA to two directors of an IT company. Can just, you know, like you can just come in there a minute. Um, I love this that they trained you how to meet and greet like businessmen. And you know, I mean, you were at 17, 18, sort of thing. How did that go? How did it work? I think it was just um, recognizing that some of these guys that were coming into the hotel were, you know, stressed. Everything had to be done right. for them. It was making sure they were comfortable when they got there. 
if they needed anything, if they needed more tea or coffee in the room, just get it to them. Just, you know, it was just simple things like that. Just smiling when they came in and saying, you know, good evening. Have you had a good day? Have you had a good journey here? Yeah. Um, just putting people at ease. At, at, at the time, they were predominantly businessmen. You didn't get very many business women. Mm. Um, so that that was, I remember many years ago, I'm 60 now, so I'm not good at math, but so it was a few years ago. But even um, I think that's really good, though, because I think people don't realise you. A lot of people seem to think, you know, businessmen is like they're being tough and full of it and, you know, totally on the ball the whole time. But they get stressed like everybody else, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes we had situations where um, the wives were trying to get them because there was an issue. I remember one, there was an issue with a a child and she couldn't get hold of her husband. So, that you know, all he wants to do when he gets there is get this message that he needs to make this important call home. Yeah, we had some other interesting people. We actually had a couple of football teams stay, and I I can remember. I'm not going to name any names, but there were two very um, well known footballers who were the rudest men I've ever met in my life. Really, and I, I would just I wouldn't have I, I would the, the behaviour shocked me. But you know that's you, yeah that's, that's lovely, me, sort of 17, 18 growing up. Yeah, it was an eye opener. Absolutely. So then you went into IT. I share IT with you slightly because I used to be a um, a software boffin. I gather I'm not allowed to say boffin anymore. Don't know what's allowed and what's not allowed anymore. Give up. I was a software boffin. Take it or leave it. So what did you do in IT? Well, I actually started as a, a PA's two directors of an IT company. And then one of them who was avoiding taking a call one day put the guy back to me on the phone and said, speak to Susie, she runs the company. Um, and, it, and the other thing they did, we used to do a show every year at the Barbican called De- the Deck User Show. Oh, I, no. Yeah. Deck. Yeah. So we that's, that's, the com- that's the company whose computers I started with. Digital Equipment Corp. Yes. Well, there you go. Oh, my God. The, this back is the 50s and <laughs> 11s and lots of things oh. like that. <laughs> These two blooming great big mainframe things are probably still in the third basement of the old war office gathering dust. Oh, what? These guys used to, they were deck brokers, so they used to buy them in from the States predominantly, and then they'd split them up and they'd resell them to um, Islamabad. We used to do a lot with Islamabad University. Yeah. We'd, yeah, we'd sell them all over the place. Mm-hmm. So one year we did the deck user show. And again, this is going back to the early 80s. And I was standing on the stall collecting people's business cards like you do. And then when we went back to the office, the two directors were doing their private pilot's licenses. So they were out for a lot of the summer. And when they came back in after the summer, um, they called me in the office and said, how, how come we've got all these sales and I said, well, all those business cards that I got, I've sort of put them in a Rolodex, but I rang everybody and said, hi, Susie from the, you know, Deck User Show. Um, is there anything that you need at the moment, anything we can help me with? And when there was, I knew where to go to get it. So I went to get it, got it, <laughs> made a profit on it and moved it on. And they were a little bit stunned and they called me back <laughs> in at sort of five o'clock and they said we don't want you to be our PA anymore and at which point my bottom lip went and I'm like oh my goodness I've you know I've really stepped on someone's mm. toes here they said we want to buy your car and make you our sales manager well I'm not I'm not a salesperson they said you absolutely are <laughs> but a lot of that see I think I'm the friendly northerner and I was in the Chalfonts at the time, in Chalfonts St Giles is where the office was. And I just think a lot of the, the I'm not, this is not be, being discriminatory or anything, but a lot of Southern people don't, aren't as friendly as the Northerners. And because my manner was very, hi, how are you doing? Yeah. Um, it just, it worked. Yeah. Um, so I, I got my car and I got my little red um, XR3 
And we had client, one of our biggest clients was British Coal at the time. So I used to drive up the motorway and go to collieries where there'd be lots of men that were as black as the ace of spades um, and sell them the second user deck equipment yeah. and did it very successfully. Wow, that is stunning. I love it. I love it. But I can imagine, you know, we don't want you to be your our PA anymore. You like, oh my God, you know, inside. But yeah. what a way to get promotion. But you were selling. I was selling. I did I just didn't think of myself as a salesperson. And I mean that went on and on. And when I, I left that business because I was moving back up north. I had a marriage breakup when I was down south and I came back up north um, and I went to work for a big um, technology company mm-hmm. and ended up um, ultimately actually with um, with Virgin Media Business within um, telecoms. So it, there was a bit of crossover IT and telecoms um, and I ended up as a senior account director looking after some um, rather large business accounts yeah. but again for me it was always that um that account management that getting to know your clients and being interested and I always was I've always been interested in people mm. um, and it worked yeah and it worked right up until and I only know this now but I didn't know it then but it worked right up until menopause hit oh right yeah and such a again yeah, I didn't know what was going on with me, but I started very suddenly uh, suffering with anxiety. Mm. And I used to have to go to our Sheffield office on a, a Tuesday. I'd go on Tuesday, stay over and I'd work there on a Wednesday. Mm. And two consecutive Tuesdays, I found myself sitting at my dressing table crying because I had to drive to Sheffield, which is a, a ludicrous. But at the time, I, I knew there was something wrong. Yeah. I had a... a a meeting with my sales director um, and the only word I could use was that I was disenchanted with everything yeah him again being a man all he could say was your numbers are great you're hitting target you know anyway I ended up just saying to him I don't want to do it anymore I'm sort of taking my ball home and and I I, I walked out there and then I never went back I, I, and it was agreed you know we, we yeah. set up a handover yeah. yeah and then I did a little bit of consultancy for three other companies over the course of about 18 months mm-hmm. but I said to my then husband I'm going to um I'm going to start a, a women's business network mm-hmm. and he said what are you going to do that for I said because I've been sort of booted and suited in this masculine um, environment for such a long time and women don't do that we, we are so different we don't network yeah. like you do yeah. and he didn't understand it no but I phoned a, a local a friend who actually was the financial director at a, lo- a local hotel and said could I maybe have one of your meeting rooms um, I'll cover the cost for coffees and teas but it's just something I'm sussing out mm-hmm. and I shared the event with the ladies I connected with over the past few years on LinkedIn etc and on the day I had 45 ladies turn up mm-hmm. and that was the beginning of uh, Unique Ladies Networking it was um, it was a surprise to me but literally at the end of that meeting a couple of ladies from Bolton said to me we need this in Bolton we need you to do this in Bolton and then I got um, pardon? we so need it everywhere yeah and I yeah. think even nowadays I mean it's got a lot better but people don't realize what an enormous change the menopause is yeah and it really does it's sort of like it remakes you it's a bit like sort of being a caterpillar turning into a butterfly again I think some people cope well with it, some not so. I mean, I, I've, um, I've had a journey with it and, and I'm happy with, with myself now. I'm in a, a really good place. Yeah. But it's not been without, you know, cost. It cost me another marriage and, you know, lot, not that it, it was wholly to blame for, but it has a big impact. Yeah. Um, and it changes you, like you say. It, it's, it is, it's like this butterfly comes out at the other end and it's nothing like the caterpillar that was there before and I think it it comes with age as well so you get to a certain age and I was 60 last year so all of a sudden it's like hang on a minute 
it wasn't two minutes since I was 21 and I still remember it. So it, it sort of hits you that you better get on and do what you like doing. You've only got one life. Let's just do it. Um, I feel that so much. And I mean, it was a big change. I started menopause very early at 42. And um, that, it tipped me out of a career too, completely. And into a, a very, very different one. Um, and I think it's part of what's important to happen to you. But we're not told about anything like that. We're just told, oh, well, you know, it's going to be this and that and the physical and, you know, and, you know, you might sort of find you get headaches or you've got hot flushes or something. And you think, yeah, and then you get all that. And it's not. It's much more inside, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot more psychological. It's mm. a lot more of a psychological impact. Yeah. Than it is. I mean, there is a physical change. There's a, which again, you know, when you're young and you put a couple of pounds on, you can usually, you know, go for a run or stop drinking wine for a week or whatever, and it drops mm. off. And then all of a sudden, you get to the stage where it it doesn't. You, no, you it stays. It, you know, it's definitely staying. Uh, I was. But I, I think the psychological. The psychological impact is um, is huge. It's underestimated, and and I I've sailed through relatively easily, but I know an awful lot of women that have struggled and still struggle. Yeah, um, and they don't tell you that either, because I mean, mine went on for about ten or twelve years, mm-hmm. and um, they don't tell you that. And at least maybe they do more now, but they certainly didn't then. And I still don't know that people know it. And you, there should be a lot more about it because I think, and it was for me, and I'm thinking it is for you, it was actually, although it's, you know, as somebody said once, you know, what the caterpillar calls a nervous breakdown, the master calls a butterfly. And it is like that, that, you know, you, you were what you were, what you knew, and then you're not. And I found it totally life-changing and very useful. And I know you did, because that's, as you say, when you started Unique Ladies. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the group started, um, well, we've been going eight years now, so I was then ever going to run one network, but now we've got 10 groups, including that most of them we, we meet physically um, at different locations across the Northwest. But the online one that I do that you come to, I started doing during lockdown. We, we went online straight away in lockdown because, again, of my knowledge from an IT and telecoms background, I, I felt it really easy to get onto Zoom yeah. at a time when a lot of people hadn't heard of Zoom. And I actually wrote an article that was well-received called The Etiquette of Zoom. Oh, no. It really talked about things like, you know, being in the middle of the screen and facing the the window so you've got good light on you and putting the the video off if if the postman came and, you know, just dealing with things and kids and animals if you needed to. But just try and make people feel a little bit more comfortable because... Three years ago, none of us were comfortable with doing yeah. this, not to, not to the extent we are now. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, everybody does it. I mean, if, if somebody wants a call with me, you know, they just book themselves into a Zoom call and we have this great chat and it's all fine. Um, but three years ago, no, you know. And I think what happened, I, I was running the Bolton group and there was a lady on from St Andrews in Scotland mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there thinking, why are you on here? It's a Bolton group. Why, why are you on from Scotland? And then I think there was another lady who was from Bolton, but she was in Amsterdam or some, somewhere in Holland. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the end of COVID hit in the September, we were all going back networking physically. And I spoke to the girls who run the other groups. And I said, I'm going to carry on doing an online one because I'm going to call it a national one. Because actually, if you're online, it could be international. You can get anybody on. And I also thought it served a purpose. If any of the ladies couldn't, for any reason, get to the normal network, they can jump on and meet, you know, people from further afield and widen the network. Yeah. So I love the the online one. It's great because, like, you know, we have you on from Shropshire, and we other ladies from we've had them from York and Somerset and London and Scotland and Newcastle and 
it's it's great it's and then we have a we do always have a core of people from the northwest who are the ladies that obviously can't get to their networks but it's just such a supportive lovely group we are being catted today i'm sorry about this but i'm sure it'll be fine but i that's what i find that it is so supportive yeah and we going back you were saying about you know, you come from the north and you're very easily chatty. Well, as you as you know, my background is in the north. My, my mum was from Yorkshire and my dad was from Lancashire. Um, I live down south and I was born down south, but, you know, never mind. We all make mistakes. And <laughs> but there is something about this. And people are getting better at it now. Yeah. They're getting better at being open and chatty and normal with people, whereas it used to be like, you know, and and how was it for you, Susie, when you were doing so and so and so and so? You know, I mean, who wants to listen to that? <laughs> I still have a memory of a, a lady said there was a sandwich shop in Chalfont St Giles that, uh, yeah, no, Chalfont St Pizza that we used to go to, and the sales guy Tim came back one day and said he had he put the sandwich I'd ordered on the table, and he said the woman in the shop asked me if that was for the northerner. <laughs> Why, why would she do that? And he said, because nobody else ever goes in and orders a corned beef and brown sauce on white bread. <laughs> and I, I thought that was quite a nice sandwich too. I still think it's a nice sandwich, but apparently that nobody down south has corned beef and brown sauce. It can be a bit snotty. <laughs> it's much nicer when you go back down to where I was born, which is in Devon and Somerset, and I you know, lived in Somerset and Cornwall. Um, we're a lot more like the northerners yeah I actually think most people are better friendly in the south but they're a lot more aloof I think if you speak to them like we do up north they there's like sort of a front like what do you want you know instead of just saying good morning like I do in the supermarket or at a bus stop wherever yeah if you say good morning to somebody down, it's like nobody speaks on a tube. No, no. And you're all there, you know, with your, your yeah. somebody else's armpit and you, and you never speak to each other. No, <laughs> where I would want to say something about that. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, we used to laugh about it when I used to travel. As I lived in London. We used to travel on the tube. And uh, my husband did one of the best things on this. It, like all men, he can be a pain in the butt. Um, but he does occasionally have quite intelligent moments. But anyway, there we were. We were actually sitting down for a change. And everybody was there with the newspaper. And um, But it was only sort of like here, so the top of the newspaper was there. And a couple of people standing up with the newspaper and this sort of thing. And Paul can be quite wild when he wants to. So he went... <laughs> Can you imagine newspapers frantically going up in the air? I just buried my head in his shoulder because it was just like, yeah, I can't handle this. Yeah, a lot of them wouldn't have had a clue what how to react to that, would they? They didn't at all. Uh, I mean. I imagine if I probably did that in, in Bolton or something like that, or Paul did, everybody would be like, hey, what was, it? What was that guy doing then? They'd join in, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> and there'd be jokes about it and all that sort of thing. So I don't know quite what, maybe it's, I don't know what it is, but there is a kind of stiffness, which is maybe losing itself now, which would be good. Yeah. But what well, I'm, ta I'm taking 20 ladies from Chorley down to London, actually, um, later on this month. I was going to ask you about that because I know about this. Now, this is so exciting. You've got to hear it. Tell uh, us. So, well, Lindsay Hoyle, who's the speaker, Mr. Speaker in the House of Commons, is the MP for Chorley. Although as a speaker, we don't have representation and Chorley's my hometown. Yeah. Um, so for a couple of years, I was sort of nagging him via email to come and meet the ladies who come to the group because we have a regular sort of 25 to 35 women every month at Chorley. It's a fantastic group. And eventually he arranged, we, we were going to do lunch with him. There were 20 ladies and we were having lunch. Unfortunately, it turned out to be the day after the Queen died, so it got cancelled. Mm -hmm. So 
obviously, you know, we ex- we ac- accepted that that was fine. But I did go back and say we w- we would like to pick up on this. So we managed to get in books again, um, but we could only add an hour. So I had ten ladies come to meeting, and I just said, introduce yourselves, let him know what your business is. And they were varied. There's lots of different businesses. And some of them were thanking him for things that he'd done. Some of them were questioning him about things that they wanted to change or were, in, you know, were interested in. Yeah. And at the end of the session, he came back in and he said to me, Susie, that was absolutely brilliant. So interesting. Well done. I'd like you to do one of these in Westminster. And I remembered Richard Branson all those years ago saying, if anybody gives you an opportunity, say yes and figure out how you're going to do it afterwards. So I just <laughs> said, yes, I'd love to. And then I thought, oh, my God, how do I do that? Um, anyway, we've we managed to bring it all together. And we are now going down um, on the 26th of April. We are going to Prime Minister's Question Time. We are having a tour of Westminster. So, I mean, that in itself is, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But then he's offered us tea in the speaker's house. Wow. And then he's given me the stateroom to run a network. Oh. So we've actually invited another. I think that we're limited to 36 in the room. So we've we've got Baroness Helen Newlove coming as our inspirational speaker. Mm-hmm. She's a lovely lady. I've met her at several different events. So she's going to come and talk. And we've invited another 15, I think it was, cross-party female MPs. Great. To come and work. And, and our usual networks, we have a 10-minute speaker and then we do round the table networking. We all tell each other what we do and any issues we've got in our business. And then we have an inspirational speaker. But on this occasion, I've just asked all the ladies to send to me questions that they'd like to ask of government and I'm going to collate them so the 10 minutes will just be us firing these concerns yes group and seeing if we can get anywhere with it excellent my, my main aim is for them to understand that we are we've we've over 2000 women on our database and we are women that are mothers sisters business owners nhs users drivers you know so we are you know, a really good representation of society. Yes. All political parties as well. And I think we're a really good resource. So if they need that resource, um, you know, to answer questions, to, you know, survey or whatever, then I want them to to know that we're there and that they can use us. And what I'm thinking is we send, I think you probably get our newsletter once a month that really tells everybody, um, who the speakers are that we've got coming to the groups and any bits of news. But I was thinking of doing like a, you know, Parliament Corner or something. So if that there's any very good. needs to go out to the masses, we can ask on there and, and measure it for them. Yeah. But I think that's so important. I mean, I don't know. I mean, isn't if they need you, for me, Susie, they need you. They yeah. need us. And they don't talk to us. They don't ask us. They'll go and ask, you know, the head of Dyson or somewhere like that. Um, But they don't ask all of us women who are running our own businesses, working in the community, and we actually know what's going on. Yeah. We are a real resource to say, look, you get through us because we talk to everybody. We're back to this, like we're chatting to everybody at the time. And we know and we can give it back to you and sort of say, look, don't get your knickers in a twist about this. This is what's really important. Yeah. And I make such a difference to government if only people would use what we are. I think that there appears to be a bit of a a missing link there um, in that they're all in their little world. And I think they think that they're reaching the masses. Yeah, I don't think they actually do. No, I don't either. You know, they've certainly never spoken to to us as a group of women in Shirley about about things. But the opportunity is there to try and change that. They don't. Um, they don't down here in Shropshire either. They, I mean, there's a lot of women who run their own businesses, from you know, little one man bands to medium sized stuff to actually quite big stuff. 
that is doing quite a lot of work. And one of my female friends, she's running a whole thing on um, good food in Shropshire and liaising with farmers and helping them get into regenerative farming and all this sort of thing. And it's really quite a big thing. None of our MPs have spoken to her. And yet that's right where she needs to be and the people who need to be heard. Yeah. So yeah, we've a long way to go, haven't we? You know, there's the, the country's in a strange place at the moment. I, I'm not really too sure about who I want to see at the top. And I think actually in a lot of ways it would be nice to just for everyone just to, you know, egos out the window, just collaborate, just work together as one. Well. That would be so much better for me. I mean, I... I, I was I go back and I know you'll um, remember this. Is it Gary Glitter? Wanna be in my gang, my gang, my gang, and it all feels like that so often. Yeah, and it is. It shouldn't be. We're all in the same country, and we all have very similar problems. But you know, maybe it's a little bit different in Bolton to Shropshire or whatever. But why do we need to be my gang? You know, in a sense, if we're going to have a my gang at all, it's Britain. Yeah, I was going to say we're all British, aren't we? Yeah. It's, um... <laughs> you know, why can't we just have the British party that is, why do we need a party at all? Why don't we just sort of all get together and talk about this? I don't know whether this will happen because, as you say, everybody's ego seems to be like. <sighs> and I still feel. Um, rightly or wrongly, everything's seen in business as well. Everything's still very male dominated, and and with males, you have egos. I know you do with females sometimes. You do, but it's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think we are far better at collaborative um, support, and yeah, you know, I think ego. so too. And I I wonder if that's partly because you know the woman in a household has so many jobs and you know the man's the breadwinner and but much less now actually um let's get that one clear but it's like you know well i'm winning the bread in our household um i'm also sorting out the garden i'm also sorting out the local garden club that i'm part of and da 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 kind of thing whereas you know one's husband might well be just doing one job yeah that's what usually happens, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And again, from a, a women's lib point of view, we did so well, didn't we? We got so far to get all these great jobs and get out to work and stuff. And yet the majority of us were still the ones going home, doing the ironing and emptying the fridge Absolutely. and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've we've come a long way, but we've an awful long way to go. We do, and we need to be properly recognised. I'm really hoping that, you know, your meeting in Westminster is going to start saying, this is here. Yeah. This is important. We need to look at these people. And I think it'd be so important if only they do. Yeah. But going going right back, and um, which is taking me back up north again, my great aunt, who lived near Bolton, um, her husband was a privy councillor in Victoria's time. And she was part of the women's lib movement and she got her husband to put i think it was the first married women's property act through oh wow started, started to get us the vote yeah and it's sort of like wow you know i'm not all that fond of a lot of the rest of my family <laughs> going back i <laughs> think they're a bit rubbish but it's like yeah go for it you did a good job there. <laughs> You know, interestingly, the place that we hold our meetings in Chorley is called Shepherd's Ale House and Victoria Rooms. Mm. And it's an old um, pub, a tiny little pub, but there's a a beautiful big room that's the Victoria Rooms inside it, very collected. It's a lovely, lovely place. And when I was talking to Greg, the owner, about us having the network, because they they don't open till sort of lunchtime-ish. So we were okay in the morning, nine till half eleven for coffees and things. And he said, interesting, when they were in the the cellars um, clearing things out after the previous owners and and creating this lovely space that they've done, Mm -hmm. they found um, evidence that 
the Victoria rooms or the sellers of the Victoria rooms were were the um, Chorley suffragettes used to meet. And I went goose. I got goosebumps. Oh, it. I have no. And I said, "Oh my goodness, we've come home," because yeah. <laughs> that's how it felt for me. And it sort of feels similar to me because you know I just wonder if my great aunt went there because she might well yeah. have done. Oh, it's not a million miles away from Bolton, is it? You know, if you're going outside of Bolton, Charlie's yeah. one of the first places. She around a bit. She was quite a, a, a lassie, and her husband was a great guy for that time. And, you know, she was a free woman insofar as she could be. And uh, so she might well have been there. Oh, I mean, it just went shiver right at my arms when you said it. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Oh, it and, is. And I remember um, hearing a meditation when I was away on holiday last summer, and the guy said that we are the total sum of all our ancestors. And, I, and that, that sort of stuck with me. And so, again, that you'll be feeling that from her. She, she's part yeah. of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in the, when lockdown was happening, I went on to Ancestry because I was bored and I wanted something to do. So I went, I got back to being a Viking. So I got back to really? <laughs> So I, I'm very much, well, I know think that everybody in England's probably got some Viking in them because the more I learned about it, the more I thought, well, we, we're all from Sweden and Denmark. Um and then you get people like me who've got a bit of um, the southwest France in them. Okay, that's interesting. So, you know, it's like they were really cosmopolitan, far more than I think most of us are taught. Yeah. And you get around the world um, much more than, I. you know, they weren't sort of stuck in your little village in your own 20 miles at all. But, yeah. But, I mean, Vikings are, Vikings are good lot, you know. I mean, to go a Viking, I mean, to because the word comes from to go a Viking, and that means to go exploring. Oh, there you go then. Yeah. I, I still explore. It's one of the things I like doing. I'm always going to different places. I know you are. It's, it's dreadful. Now, I am going to ask a couple because you went off on a lovely holiday on your own last year. And can we hear a bit about it? So it was actually the year before was the first time I went. So. At the time, I'd separated from my husband and he hadn't, he wouldn't have COVID jabs or anything. So I thought, that's fine, that's what happened, you know, your choice. But I felt that I needed a holiday. Yeah. And I have a, a lovely friend who comes to the network, Sarah, who's a travel counsellor. And I was going to go with another lady who I've met through the networks. We were going to have um, 10 days on a Greek island um, just to get some sunshine. And then the other lady couldn't get the time off work. And I sat there thinking, you know, I really could do with a holiday. Mm -hmm. So I phoned Sarah and I said, would you price it up for me with a single supplement? Because I'm going to go on my own. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, what, what can happen? I could just get a couple of books and, you know, do um, what she called Shirley Valentine, you know, yes. go to Greece and get a couple of books and what have you. And she said to me, well, I could, but can I tell you about something else? And she started to tell me about this body holiday in St. Lucia. And it's an all-inclusive, five-star, beautiful place. And the package includes a trip to the spa every day. Mm. So you get a facial or a body massage or a scrub or whatever you want. Um, lots of different activities. So I was starting the morning at seven with Tai Chi and doing stretch classes afterwards i did they did some hardcore um aerobics and stuff in the pool and on the beach but i didn't bother with that no. <laughs> um, but i snorkeled every day and i did a couple of trips out on a boat mm. and it was absolutely empowering because yeah. i literally went on my own mm. not knowing a single person mm. and when i landed there at dinner, I was sort of sitting on my own, but there were lots of people sitting on their own just looking out to, to the ocean, and it was quite late. It had gone dark. And the following day when I went down for breakfast, there was a girl sitting down there who was on the same minibus transfer as me and just said, do you want to join me for breakfast? So I did. And we're still friends, which she went last year, and she's booked to go again this year the same time as me. Um, what, what it did... 
in September they offer this solo month, so it's it's not like a, an eighteen to thirties. It's just a, a lot of um, businessmen and women mm. who just travel on their own. Yeah, and, and you get that you, you're very comfortable just being on the beach on your own or joining in with someone. Last year, I actually tried water skiing one day with a guy. <laughs> We the day before we were both sitting on the beach laughing at the men trying to get up water skiing and going oh no that's just you know and then he sort of said to me shall we have a go tomorrow so I'm like going I'll meet you here at eleven o'clock and I got up for like you know a nanosecond and he didn't it was hilarious <laughs> but you, you know you, you just you can either be with you can be alone or you can be with people mm. and every evening there's a hosted table for dinner. But what you find is you'll meet people during the day and someone will say, do you want to join us? I've booked a table here. And mm. it is absolutely wonderful. Mm. So when I booked to go last year, so the first year I went for a week, when I went last year, I booked 10 days and I booked the helicopter transfer as well. Oh, wow. That was amazing. Yeah. We, would, we were actually flying over the rainforest and you could see the parrots flying and beautiful. <gasps> Oh, gorgeous. Yeah. And and I'm going again in September this year for 10 days again. Yeah. You see, I think that's so wonderful and it is so empowering. And people yes. say, oh, I can't go on holiday on my own. Yes, you can. And you yeah. can actually meet other people and you know you're not going to get attacked or you're not going to suddenly fall in love with some idiot or something like that. Uh, it's It was a very safe yes. place. Um, I felt completely at ease at all times. Yeah. And like I said, you've got a choice there. If you don't feel like talking to anyone, you really don't have to. Yeah. But the classes that you do, you know, you you might see a couple of people walking up to the class, for example, and you just get to, again, Northerner, I'll chat to anybody. Yeah. But, I, but you end up, um, I, I love it. I think if that's the only holiday I can do every year, as long as I can afford to, to do that holiday, that will be the thing that I work for to go and have those 10 days. Mm. The sunshine, um, I've sussed out the, the treatment. So... There's a hundred steps up to the spa, and so you know you got to you sit by the time you get there. (laughs) And then the treatments are so gorgeous, and the fifty minute treatments, and the sun sets at six o'clock. So I started booking my treatments at five o'clock. So I have a day doing whatever I'm doing, and then I know I've got a lovely treatment, and then. I go down the hundred steps and land back on the sofa by the bar overlooking the ocean and order a large Sauvignon Blanc and oh. just the sunset. Yes. And I think the first day I did it, there was sort of me. And I think at the end of the week or the 10 days, or the, the first time I was there when I'd sussed it, at the end of the week, there were about 10 of us sitting there all with our Sauvignon Blancs or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we'd have a drink and then we'd go back to the rooms, get ready. Yeah. For, for dinner or whatever we were doing that evening but it was just a nice pace everything was lovely and the, the staff there are amazing in fact when we were there last year um it was they had the queen's funeral of course yes and we were told that they would be showing it in the live because there's no tvs in the room so it's all very you know health got you've got you can have music and have your, your own itunes piped in and whatever yeah. But there's no TV. So they put a flat screen in the library. And I think it was something like 5am in the morning because of the time difference. So quite a few of us went down there and they they put the most beautiful floral arrangements all over the library, all around the TV. And they put coffee and tea, banana bread, freshly baked. So everybody was sort of sitting just watching the you know the whole um celebration of the queen's life i guess really yeah. but what a lovely thing to do so very thoughtful and all, all, all the way through the hotel they have these beautiful floral arrangements and they've been dedicated to the queen from different departments in the hotel it was such a nice thing to do wasn't it just and it's again it's all the respect, it's the empowerment, it's feeling welcome and 
able to be you and wanted and all of this stuff that is just so important. And I'm going to reverse now because that's part of what I found from going to Unique Ladies. So I recommend it to all of you out there. You can go and you just Google in Unique Ladies and it will come up. The website comes up and you can start getting involved because it's so worthwhile. And you were saying about it being national and international. Why not? Well, exactly. So the I, I franchise it. So the franchises are only a two and a half grand, which is it, it's a, a drop in the ocean, really. To it's really covering my time to get everything set up and yeah. photo shoots for ladies and things. Mm-hmm. So um, currently we're all across the northwest, yeah. but there is nothing to stop anybody in any town. I mean, if, if I had my dream, it would be to have one in every town and everybody just support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, each of the groups work with a local charity as well, and we always give a couple of pounds, <clears throat> excuse me, from every paid ticket back to a charity of the year, which we do in November at the end of the year. And in Chorley last year, the local youth zone got £600. And um, this year it's Endeavour, which is a domestic abuse charity. In Bolton, it's Backup, which is um a charity that get kids off the streets and into accommodation. We, we work with lots of different charities. Yeah. Um, all these charities as well throughout the year have ladies' lunches. So one of the other great ways of networking for us is to go to the ladies' lunches. So I tend to take a couple of tables and um, that's where we get to meet lovely ladies like yourself that turn up at these lunches and we, you know, we make money for charities and have a great time and a glass of fizz as well. Uh, that's another part of this thing. This is all can be. This can all be fun. Yes, yeah, be sort of yeah. serious and hard work. It, yeah. You know, in fact, that's probably useless. I mean, we have so many laughs on the online unique ladies, and um, all oh, you know, sort of stuff is coming around and fascinating people, and it's so important. At least I think it's so important that we all get together and that we all talk and as you say, support each other because it just makes such a huge difference. Yeah. And if you want it, by the way, before I forget, all of Susie's details and the Unique Ladies' details will all be going up in the show notes. So you haven't got to remember anything we say, but it's still easy. Unique Ladies, Google, you know, fine. And if you want to contact Susie, you can do it there because I think it's so worthwhile. Yeah, and anybody who's listening who is maybe wants to speak about their business, we have opportunities for speakers online or in person. Um, if anybody does blogs and they want to get involved, we share blogs on the um, internet as well, on the website. Yeah. And um, and we've just launched a travel club. So that we're coming back to you, aren't we, with that? We launched it. We had a fabulous International Women's Day event. Yes, which um, is which was a bore, but there you go. Well, let me let me tell you, I've already been making some big decisions and had some great conversations for next year. And I'm delighted to say that Chorley Borough Council have agreed to sponsor our International Women's Day event next year. It's on a Friday, the 8th of March, and it will be at Chorley Town Hall. I've got to come. I've got, You've to-, got to come. I've got to book it. I was going to come this year, but you know how life gets in the way. Anyway, it's not going to get in the way. So I'm not thinking the now. (laughs) I I also um, have requested, and we can't confirm until much nearer the time, but I have asked Lindsay Hoyle if he will come and open it and say a few words. And I do know that he is at home in constituency on that Friday. So fingers crossed. He hasn't got any excuse then. He's no excuse. I've said it now publicly, so he needs to... (laughs) Yeah, and we're spreading it now, so he's going to come. So, you know, get in there and do this sort of thing. But friends everywhere, get in touch with each other. Stay in touch with each other and support each other because it makes such a huge difference, especially for us women. I think one of the things... to it. When I first started this, it was very much about um, a women's business network. And what I've realised over the eight years is that it's so much more 
the women that come come for the camaraderie yes. and for the friendships that they've made. And often when we start our businesses, it's very lonely. Yeah. And some people are, are in families where nobody in the family is ever on the business. Yep. They can't get the advice that they need. Yep. And we provide that sort of safe environment with lots and lots of resource and help from women who've, you know, successfully run businesses, some that have lost businesses but successfully come back. So, you know, they've got all this advice yeah. of just what to do or what not to do. Yeah. And we create this really safe environment for these ladies to ask whatever they need to ask yeah. and not, you know, there's no such thing as a, a silly question in our group. No. Well, the only silly one is the one you didn't ask. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So do join us and join us on these fantastic networking days online is fine once a month if you can get to an in-person one even better because it really is worthwhile Susie it's been grand talking to you I've loved it's been lovely chatting to you and I never thought we'd be talking about PDP 1173s and well there you go (laughs) (laughs) it's such a small world in some ways isn't it it is is. Well, I should be seeing you again soon because it's the 13th, isn't it? Yeah. The next one, yeah, the next 10 days so I look forward to seeing you there. I Thank you. Seeing you there, and get in touch, guys. This is so worthwhile. Thanks, Ellen. Next week, thank you, Susie. It's been grand. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed that. Hope it pulled out some new ideas and new ways of looking at life, the universe, and everything. And I'd love to know your comments, so do send them to me. Doing and being badassery is fun. It makes your heart sing. And that helps everyone. And it helps you put the soul back in your life and in your business. Business, when it's really working, is fun, full of badass reality and makes your heart sing. So let's stick all those rubbish old work ideas of toil and drudgery in the compost caddy. Let's recycle them into something fun and useful. That's what badassery is about, having fun and being useful. If you'd like more, get on my website, www.ellensentier.com. Sign up for my newsletters and check out my lives and vlogs. Let's get to know each other. Let's get together, have fun, grow your life and make your heart sing. Let's be real. Come on, let's light our fires.